reading this morning is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. Right, I've been told to stick this as close to my mouth as I can so Joyce can hear. And I'm going to be walking around with this. Can you handle that? This feels really weird for me. Hallelujah. God's good. And all the time. Including you, Joyce. Are you okay? Can you, are we there? Joyce is the only person in this church who I allow to call me Andrew. None of you is allowed to call me Andrew. You can call me Andy, or you can call me Gobby, or whatever you choose, but you're not allowed to call me Andrew. Right, the birth of the church. These verses are powerful, aren't they? The birth of the church. We see the the fervor and the excitement and the passion of the early church in these verses. We should be excited to read them. And hopefully we'll get to that place where we, we might join in with them and we might be a part of that. They were really doing things. Numbers, people were being added to their numbers daily. Wow, what an impact that they were having. I wonder how we can get there. I wonder what the church is about today. Um, as you know, <coughs> I failed to speak last week, and uh, your capacity for, to forgive me is much appreciated. There was a, an exchange of uh, texts and emails, and uh, I, I was made aware that the speaker this morning wasn't able to make her commitment, so somebody, I'm not saying who, suggested I had uh, an opportunity to redeem myself. So I wasn't able to sleep in this morning, which is the custom on Father's Day. No, because I had to get up and prepare the word. You're not bothered, are you? <laughs> so I've only had a week to do this, and... Um, I'm in training, so for, for the Camino de Santiago, I'm doing quite a bit of walking every morning, and I'm getting up every morning about five o'clock to do some walking. So I, I have been able to pray this week, and God gave me a word. And the word was dynamo. Dynamo. And I can't, I can't stop thinking about dynamos. And it's not far away from the Greek word dunamis. 
which some of you Bible scholars will know, that's a powerful word. And it's associated with somebody very special. But I got this word dynamo, and I've been thinking about dynamos. You know the sort of thing that you clip on your bike wheel, and as the wheel's turning, it powers up your lights. It's a little dynamo. Dynamos are everywhere. They're really interesting things. We're about to watch a really short video of this fella. I think it's a fella, because the hands in the video are quite big. There's a lot of training with those, but they're big hands. And this fella makes a wind turbine from scratch. And you're about to watch the last two minutes. The first five minutes he spent making these sails that go on this wind turbine. Okay, Sefa. Thank you. Right, that's, uh, well, I'll come back to this a little bit later on. Um, but isn't it brilliant? Isn't, isn't that, just in terms of the curiosity that that can inspire, science is a, just a wonderful thing to explore. And those, how, does, how does wind become the lighting of a light bulb? Did you see the lights going on? And isn't that amazing that the simple structure like that a wind turbine can power, can power a light bulb. That's just brilliant. I wonder what's going on for the wind to be converted into power. It's a, a fantastic uh, opening illustration 
uh, of the power of a dynamo for, for a group of kids learning. Uh, I, I want to use this as an illustration to what I think God can and, and intends to do through us. But we'll get back to that a little bit later on. Um, I'm also listening to Bible Through the Year with uh, Nicky Gumble, And this week, he uh, introduced the Bible reading for the day with this introduction. And um, this really struck me as, as really important to, uh, to saying that not only was things happening then in the time of Acts 2, verses 44 to 47, but it, it's going on today in God's church. At an Alpha conference, someone handed me a scrap of paper with a note describing what had happened to her friend. This is what she wrote. Sue, who was not a Christian, was attending a rehab clinic for people with severe respiratory problems. She had a chronic condition, COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, that was getting progressively worse for her clinic, but there was no one there. She'd got the wrong date. She waited around and had a look through flyers about our next alpha. Sue turned up for our course on Wednesday evening. She soaked it all up and was full of excitement and interest. She came to church on the Sunday and was back again on the Wednesday. It suddenly clicked for Sue that Jesus is God. A huge piece of the jigsaw for her. She gave her life to the Lord dramatically. She called her sister to tell her she'd become a Christian and her sister was in the middle of a meeting with a friend to pray for Sue. She'd been praying for her for 25 years. The following Sunday, Sue came to church, came forward for prayer, for healing, and was remarkably healed of her COPD, running up and down the stairs at home, off her medications, etc. She met with her physio at the medical clinic, who was astonished at what had happened to her. A remarkable difference. She has been healed and has since prayed for and seen others healed, including one of cancer. On the 30th of April, Sue was baptised and brought over 150 friends and family to celebrate with her. She's having a huge impact on people, evangelising to anyone that will stand still long enough to listen. John Wimber often used to say that we all need three conversions to be converted to Christ, to be converted to his church, and to be converted to his cause. Sue was obviously not converted to Christ, but also instantly converted to his church and his cause. So these things are still happening today in our, in our church. And um, as we see in those verses, we see the, the, the birth of the church. And later on in, in, in the New Testament, we, we come across several different descriptions of what the church is about and um, I think you need a number of illustrations. You need a number of reference points to say really what God is doing with the church and what the church is there for. I wonder if you can think of the way God illustrates us as a church. I wonder if you can think of ways in which he describes us, ways Paul has described us. This is audience participation sermon. 101. Any ideas? Charmaine. Charmaine put her hand up, James, and I am a teacher. No shouting out. Living Stones. Reference point there, Charmaine? Mm, I think it's Hebrews. 
Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Because we are called a temple, a temple of living stones. I think it is Hebrews. And, and God calls us to be a temple. As his church, we are described as a temple and we meet to glorify his son. It's important to meet together. Please turn your faces. It's important that we're here to share in the good news and to say, God, you're God and we're your people and we love you because you loved us and you met us at our point of need and you continue to do so even when we fluff up. I want to be numbered amongst those who praise you. I am a living stone in your temple. Hallelujah. Reference points is also in Ephesians for that. In fact, Ephesians is your go-to place for descriptions of the church. There are seven in there, and James is going to tell us the second one. Oh, here we go. Go on. We are called the bride. The church is described as the bride of Christ. And we're going to be a part of a wedding. And for those of you who have had daughters who get married, you know that it's all about preparation. So what Paul is saying about the bride is about the bride prepares herself for the wedding. Now, we've been preparing for Bethan's wedding for 27 years. She's been preparing for the wedding for 24 four years probably when she became about three or four last year when we knew Sam had proposed to Beth there was an entire year of preparation that was born on the shoulders of me at Claire Claire went gray not because of living with me but because of Bethan's wedding but we were preparing and the church is preparing herself she's making herself beautiful for God God is called beautiful in his holiness. And the bride is going to be beautiful in its own holiness, in the way it is, in what it has done, in how it is she is adorned for God. It's a wonderful image. And we are to prepare ourselves for that day because that day is coming. So the bride helps us realize that the church has to think about the future. So there we have the temple, the bride. Any others? Some of you are on your phones. You're rifling through Ephesians at this point, which is what I was hoping you'd do. Beryl. Salt and light. We're described as salt and light. We're a church that's salty. We preserve life. We make things taste good. We're there to, for healing. Salt heals so as a church, we're a healing church. Any more? It's good this, isn't it? No, nope, no more. Ephesians. Ephesians in chapter 1 calls us an assembly. And I'll come back to that in, in a minute because that's really important. It also calls us the body. We are the body of Christ. Christ is the head and we are the body. You are part of Christ's body. Yes? And each of us have got different roles in the body. If we just had a body of arms, or we just had a body of kidneys, 
we, we've all got different parts to play and we all need to connect up in different ways. Some of you are brains. Some of you are lungs. Some of you are heart. Some of you are intestines. Some of you are legs and arms and eyes. But we all connect up. We all need each other in the body. When I look back on my last 20 years of leadership in school, I realize what I am in education. I'm a pair of kidneys. You'd have thought brains or eyes and vision and, no, I'm just kidneys. I filter out the impurities. I deal with things that go wrong. Staff that aren't working at the levels and standards that we subscribe to. I'm dealing with mess all the time. I feel like a pair of kidneys. Filtering the blood, making it pure. Dealing with the toxins, the rows, the negatives, the shirkers. That's just a pair of kidneys. What are you in the body? You, you have a role to play. If you're not here, we, we don't get the air. If you're not here, the blood doesn't pump round. If you're not here, we, we've got no arms. You play a part. It's vital that you're here, that you're with us. We're also called God's workmanship. Ephesians 2 verse 10, he has prepared works in advance for us to do. The things that he's called us to do, we're called to make a difference to Clubmore. We're called to be salt and light to the people in Clubmore. We're called to care for them, to look after them, to get them back on their feet, to give them hope. This is what God hasn't called us to bootle, hallelujah, or Wavertree, or Chilwall, they don't need us. He's called us to Clubmore, yeah? We, we, there's a work for us to do. He also calls us a family. I was going to break into Sister Sledge there. You've been spared. The early morning service got treated to that. We're family. You are my brothers. You're my sisters. You're my mother. You're my father. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're my cousin. We're family. I love, do you love family? I love family. Our kids came around last night. We had a, a food together. It was just really good. It's great being with family. We take care of each other. We nurse each other through the problems and the difficulties. We have a laugh together. We're family. Problem is, we also know the faults. Because if we're true family, we have squabbles now and again. But that's what family's about. It's real. God's called us to be a family. And the church is described as a temple. It's described as a bride. And the last one in Ephesians is an army. We're called to be an army. Because we're in a battle. And we're fighting an enemy. Even though he's lost the war, he's still fighting. And we're up against it. And the commands still remain commands. We're not given encouragements. We're given commands. When God is in commanding officer mode, he's telling us, go out and preach my name to all the nations. That is a standing order, not a polite suggestion. We're a part of an army. So what we see in scriptures is, is, is when we start to describe the church, we, we need lots of images in our mind to get it fully mapped out. Do you get where I'm going with this? Jesus calls us sheep of his fold. 
Revelation calls as a lampstand. There's lots and lots of wonderful illustrations. I love the one in John 15. We are branches of the vine. And without the vine, we can't produce any life. Well, I'm about to add to Scripture. Yes, I have enough conceit and arrogance in me to think that I can rival Scripture. That's right, you are here at the birth of a new church movement. Can we put the slide up, Sefer? Andy Pollard has the nerve to suggest the eighth picture for the church, seven pictures in Ephesians. The church is a wind turbine. There you go. I'll just leave you for a minute to be impressed and awestruck with the suggestion that the church is a wind turbine. What do you think? Can you go for it? Let's see what I'm going on about. Because this, I'm trying to relate this to Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 7. And if I don't do that, then we've, I've failed. Okay. Next slide, please. What we see is the power moving through the sails. If you think back to that video I played. And somehow that power is harnessed there in the dynamo. The wind power is, is harnessed in the dynamo. And it comes through those cables, those wires, and lights up the light. Isn't that, that's a really, for me, that's a really powerful illustration. I really like that. Especially when the Holy, I'm getting a buzz here. I think God has given me a special revelation. Oh, yes. The power of the Holy Spirit moving. We had, a, we, had a, we had a day of Pentecost, didn't we? Was that like a powerful rushing of winds? Oh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm in the groove here. So the Holy Spirit moves through his church in power. And somehow we get into harnessing that power. And it moves through us because we are the dynamo. And through that dynamo light to the world because we're called light wow well I hope I hope it's a wow it's a wow with me I'm still getting a buzz off it that power is the Holy Spirit and we see in Acts 44 to 42 in chapter 2 we see the dynamo at work we see that there was prayer there was praise there was evangelism there was fellowship they were sharing the word of god they were breaking bread they were in and each out of each other's houses there were there was fellowship on a massive scale and 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 in that there were words used to describe them at that time they were devoted they continued they were glad they were in awe something had got them really going and in that dynamism, they were producing life because the Holy Spirit was working through them. These are the core basic steps that we take as a church. The reading of the word, prayer, praise, fellowship, breaking of bread, being together, community. That was the power. The Holy Spirit was moving through that powerfully and touching lives, the light going on. We can't lose sight of Acts 44, 47. We have to make that for us. And it does require a change of attitude. 
And it does require us to step up a little bit to the mark. But when we see it coming through, we see the Holy Spirit moving through signs, moving through wonders. That woman, Sue, at that Holy Trinity, Brompton, miraculously healed. But we also see it through the gentle wooing of the Holy Spirit on a person's life. That had taken 25 years for her to cross the line. The Holy Spirit just nudging, nudging, nudging people. Divine appointments, conviction, reasoned argument. Paul, uh, Paul was able to reason with the Athenians that Christ is Lord. We're going to get our theology right. The Holy Spirit moves through social conscience, what we do at the network, what we do in terms of touching people's lives, all making a difference, all helping the light to go on. So I get number two and I get number three. But I want to know how we connect up with the sales. I want to know what goes on there. So if we can have the next one, thank you. How did the power move through the sails to the dynamism of the dynamo. Well, they had encountered Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, it talks about them meeting Jesus. They were with him. It says on a number of occasions they spent time with him. And they were aware of this command, this great commission over them, that that's what they had to do. But they were also alive with the idea that he's the king, he's God, he's saviour. Not only has he saved our lives, but he's God. Jesus, this man that we've been with for three years, he's God himself. He's the very representation of the Father in human form. Not only that, but he's, in, he's a king. And he spent time talking to us about kingdom. You see, what had happened, the wind through the sails is they got an encounter and a revelation of who God was. And not only that, but the invitation to be a part of that. Great book, this. I can't speak for Tom Wright. I'm just talking about the book. It really transformed me, how God became king. Read it about three or four years ago. It's really changed me. It's one of those that's just gently take, taking me and taking me further and further on. But Jesus is the king. I serve a king. I'm a part of his kingdom. It's taken a hold of me. It really has. And I think that that was part of the breakthrough for this early church. They'd encountered him. You see, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and when we're spending time in his presence, we get revelation. We get fellowship. We get our consciences pricked by the things that are going out, out in there in the world. We get our consciences pricked by the things that we shouldn't be doing anymore. But we have times of fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. And times where he reveals something of his self and his purposes in our lives. That was the wind in the sails. When you've encountered God, you want to do something about it. You want to go somewhere, do something, make something happen. It, it's the case. So hopefully you can see threaded through this little simple illustration is the activity of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, the middle, and the end. Guess what, folks? We need the Holy Spirit. I could have just said that, couldn't I, at the beginning? We could have done it. I could have just done a two-minute sermon. That's it. We need the Holy Spirit. More and more and more and more. Because he's the power.
This guy called Paul Bullheimer says this. Any church without a well-organized and systematic prayer program, I'll come to the connection there between prayer and the Holy Spirit in a minute. Any church without a well-organized and systematic prayer program is simply operating a religious treadmill. I really believe the Holy Spirit is the difference and we need him. I wonder when this was written. Prayer is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the gates of heaven, assuaged diseases, rescued cities from destruction, and arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. It was written somewhere between 349 and 407. You see, the early church had made a connection that the Holy Spirit and prayer were vital to success. Paul Bilheimer says this. Who's Paul Bilheimer? Don't know. He's gone to be with the Lord now, but he wrote this book called Destined for the Throne. Great book. Through her weapons of prayer and faith, she holds in this present moment the balance of power in world affairs. That's what he thinks the church is about. Prayer is not begging God to do something that he's loathed to do. It is not overcoming reluctance in God. It is enforcing Christ's victory over Satan. It is implementing upon earth heaven's decisions concerning the affairs of man. Calvary legally destroyed Satan and cancelled all of his claims. God placed the enforcement of Calvary's victory in the hands of the church. He has given her power of attorney or made her his deputy. But this delegated authority is wholly inoperative apart from the prayers of a believing church. Prayer is therefore where the action is. Any church without a well-organized and systematic prayer program is simply operating a religious treadmill. John Wesley said this, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. Nicky Gumbel says this, history belongs to the intercessor. Paul Bullheimer says this, the prayer closet is the arena that produces the overcomer. Prayer is a weapon. In fact, it's the only weapon we're given. So let's just combine those two things, the weapon of prayer and the activity of the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe I was to bring to you this morning. I, I really believe God wants to go up a gear in our experiences of the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that he wants to use us powerfully with the weapons of prayer. Because prayer changes things. My life was changed because somebody prayed for me. Your life was changed because somebody prayed for you. I believe that's the truth. I don't know your testimonies, but I'd put my last dollar on the fact that somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody held you before God. God touched your life gently, suggestively over the years 
or maybe in a divine encounter, but because somebody prayed for you, because the Holy Spirit was given that opportunity to move through the church and into your life, your life was changed. My life was changed. I want to be the best church we can be. I want it to be better then. <laughs> I want to feel the Holy Spirit move through this place so that we can make a difference. Do you agree? I think I've finished. I think that's enough. Let's, I think we should stand and pray. Amen.